Hello, welcome to The Honest Wargamer. I'm your host, Rob, for another faction reaction. That's right, we're talking Seraphon today, one of the most successful or scary armies from Age of Sigma 2, and I'm joined by a wonderful man. I call him the Renaissance Man. When describing last night to someone, I described him as a man who's able to achieve everything before 9 o'clock in the morning. James Hobbs is in the house. Hi, gorgeous. How are you? Hello, good afternoon. I am awesome and very happy to be here. Uh, I'm really excited to have you here. Now, Seraphon is going to be a really interesting one to talk about, um, specifically uh, because they're such a well-played faction and they also, last edition, were such a strong faction. So I'm really interested to find out what your thoughts on this particular one are going to be. Um, you've also played at the Super Series at least twice. Uh, I've seen you play on the tabletop. I've got a lot of love and respect for you as a gamer. So I'm very much excited to hear your thoughts because I know you will have deep-dived this a lot. So uh, <laughs> Too much. Too much, arguably. Too much. <laughs> when messaging me yesterday, you were like, spreadsheets? I was like, hold on. We're just going to go... At a level. So, uh, are you uh, excited about doing today? You okay? Comfy yeah, and everything? I'm fantastic. I'm comfortable. I've got the fan. I'm all good. And I got talked out of doing slides. So, no presentation. Okay, no presentation. That seems fair. All right. Well, don't forget if you guys have tuned in, this is the first time you've tuned in to this war game. It's filmed in front of a live studio audience, which are the Twitch chat. Thank you. Chill, Hammer, Stab Grot, Plus, Ferromite, uh, Powell. Hello, everyone. Uh, it's all great to see you. Uh, and obviously, you can listen to this as a podcast or watch it back on YouTube as well. Okay, James, Seraphon in 2.0. Um, talk to me. How did they play? What's What was happening? <laughs> I was trying to think how far back to go, because I think the Seraphon that everyone knows in 2.0 was when the new Battle Tome dropped. And that was like first half of 2020. And it was just like it was game changing because it was sort of an army that felt like it hadn't had much love. You were reliant on like a couple of new rules from a GHB into suddenly this just like powerhouse. You know, yeah. there was you had you got like your Starborn, you've got your Coalesced, and then you've got the two further kind of sub sub factions. So just like loads of versatility, and because it's an army that's been kicking around forever, you've got a gazillion units. So just like awesome and really exciting as an army to explore. Um, I think it, for the Seraphon players, it was kind of just this like awesome utopia. For the Seraphon opponents, it was kind of like, why is your army so broken? I'm tired of taking my toys off at times. Um, <laughs> but, uh, you know, it was an interesting space to be in in 2.0. Yes, I think I think I think I think leading up to the Seraphon Battle Tome, um, they were. I mean, I've been a Seraphon player uh, when they were Lizard Men, uh, and then uh, straight into Seraphon at launch of Age of Sigmar. So huge fan, huge Croak Stan, um, Razor Dons. Like I played all sorts. Like even when Seraphon at one point in kind of over the arc of Age of Sigmar, a time there was a time when they were like sub forty percent win rate, and it was a rough time. So like we even kind of like look, don't do Shadow Strike. There was loads of conversation so like huge love for these uh these dinos forever coming from me but they were oppressively strong last edition right uh yeah i mean it was really nasty and, and you kind of i remember a highlight before the rules dropped of winning a game with zero kill points and it was like yes i managed to move my skinks out and not kill anything but i won the game on objectives and that was the highlight into suddenly like you could delete an army in a turn or two 
But I think in 2.0, it was really cool. So I, I really leaned into the Starborn side. It's just got loads of tools. You know, you could teleport and great mobility and just some incredible synergies. I think the stuff that kind of got famous for being painful was your Croaknado. You kind of, your build with the Guard, the Bailwind, the Astrolith. And it's just like, you get mortal wounds and you get mortal wounds and you do. And then let's do it again. And because that was great, let's just do it a third time. Um, so you can see why it wasn't loved by all. And then Skinks as well. You know, Skinks just became these monsters. You'd have blocks of 40, supported with a priest, star priest. You give mortals, you buff the hit, you make them run, shoot, charge. And it's just kind of, it's terrifying. So I think in the shift to between like two and three, it's been really interesting seeing how, you know, you uh, I guess like the limitation on issuing and receiving command points or how prayers work or how spells work uh, have limited some of those things. And I think it's one of the real pain points is also the, the reinforcement size. So um, I had a look at some of the points and I'll try not to kind of put everyone to sleep with it, but I just went through kind of like, what was it in sort of GHB 20 and what was it in GHB 21? And I guess I've looked at it in a bit of a bubble because I think all of the books going between two and three have seen points changes. And there's been a kind of a points uplift and you kind of gone. The battles are a little bit smaller. The boards got a bit smaller. But kind of like, what does that mean for Seraphon? So uh, someone, I can't remember who it was, I'll have to find out who it is to credit them, did this like beautiful spreadsheet of everything. And they just did, here's what it was. Here's what it is numerically and then percentage change. And if you took every single Seraphon uh, unit and you kind of went, what was it? What is it now? It's about a 10% uplift, which actually doesn't sound too bad. But I think that there's a couple of red herrings in there and a couple of traps. Okay. So I thought, okay, well, that's not like that's not my favorite way to look at it. Um, why don't I look at the stuff that I used to run and just kind of see how it translates? So I looked at things like, what's your like your skink blob? Your priest, your star priest, and a block of skinks. And I think it's sort of interesting to see how that's translated. So if you took 40 skinks, a priest, and a star priest, it was 430 points because skinks were a beautiful 60 points and they've moved to 75. Yeah. But if, if we look at what you can do now, you can't take 40. And for 30, it actually costs you five points more. So you're looking at like 435 points for a block of 30 with a priest and a star priest when it used to be 430 for a block of 40. And that doesn't sound like a lot, but at the risk of going into the numbers, it's like that's a 25% damage reduction for the same number of points. So it's not the 10% change that it looks like. It, it's quite a big nerf, but coming from a place where it was oppressively broken. So it's kind of like you don't feel too bad about it. No, like if I was to if I was to like throw my like uh, like chimes into the wind and try and guess at, I felt like DOK and uh, and Seraphon were like twenty five percent undercosted last edition. So like the the ten percent or even the twenty five percent brings them into what I thought was parallel with where the middle of last edition was, uh, which means with everything else going up, it doesn't. I don't feel like it puts them in a super bad place. Um, I'd also just like to quickly reclarify for people at home: uh, there were lots, there are lots of ways uh, that Seraphon were played, obviously in two point after the release of the Battle Tome. Uh, but Fangs of Sotek generally was considered like the more competitive side. Although we saw at the Super Series, um, we saw like so that's 
uh, an event that we held here in the TSN Arena, which is a bunch of very competitive players playing in a very specific format. But it was one of the few bits of coverage I was able to do on competitive wargaming and some of the only competitive wargaming that really happened over 2.0, other than stuff that happened in Australia. Um, uh, I know America was there as well, but like, whatever. Uh, and uh, so we were able to like kind of see some different builds. So we saw some Coalesced and we saw some Starborn. Uh, thanks, Katie, for uh, uh, subscribing. Big love to you. Thanks, everyone, for tuning in, by the way. Uh, so, yeah, but lots of different play styles, but Skinks and Croak featured heavily until his War Scroll update. And then you also, obviously, uh, you didn't generally tend to see, like, a lot of Saurus blocks. So if you're one of the Facebook people, you're like, oh, I think the Saurus was a thing. No, it wasn't. Uh, but Bastilodons were. Um, and also yeah, Saurus Yeah, Thunder Lizard had its place. Yeah, definitely. And also, um, and Saurus Knights, uh, shockingly, in Firelance Starhost was, uh, was a thing. Uh, so that was that was real. Uh, so I think those are the main playstyles, right? In AOS two, would you? Yeah, say I think two, two. We we saw like fangs a lot of. We saw a little bit of Dracothian's tail. There was some like quite nasty alpha stuff you could do with that. Oh yeah. I think Thunder Lizard was kind of. It had a spacing competitive, but it was kind of I think treated as a bit more fun. Uh, and then you kind of had the people that I have huge respect for, which was like the the Kotal's Claw, which are the kind of the underdogs, the people that wanted to play you know real dinosaurs. Yeah. <laughs> yeah <laughs> yeah and they weren't messing around they're like we're doing this and we're not we're not stopping uh okay <laughs> uh so before we get into like the winners and losers in um uh it, like in seraphon uh let's talk about um uh your thoughts on age of sigma 3 wholesale any takeaways or anything that you might have in that situation how where are you at like what are your thoughts personally for you so i i love it like I think it's just like it's changed the game. It feels faster paced. Feels like there's you know fewer units, less re-rolling, but the game is way more dynamic. And, and I'm sure it's been like you guys have talked about it to death. But just the the movement reactions, you know, redeploy, the ability to like unleash hell on charges, all those little extras, I think are great for the game itself. And I think the the grand strategies, the battle tactics, and a lot of the new maps for scoring that like, you know, one point for one, one for two or more, one for more than your opponent, alongside balancing the battle tactic has made some of the games really tight and really exciting. So I just, I think it's in a really good place. Um, it's perhaps a little bit less forgiving than it used to be, but way more exciting to play. Okay. Yeah, um, I think uh, I think there's lots to, there's lots being said about the first turn, second turn sort of situation at the moment. Did you ever play into the first turn at any point, or like what was your kind of general thoughts on that? Yeah, I think it's a funny one. I, I think the the armies I've been playing, I tried to find something that's fairly balanced, and it's difficult because the boards are so small. I think there were times where, especially in two, you're like, I'd rather not go first. I've got tools to manage it, but basically I'm playing for a double a lot of time. Mm -hmm. Whereas actually in this, on, on those like that close proximity, you're thinking, well, if I get first turn, I might be able to take enough off that I'll be all right and, and I'm comfortable risking the double. So I, I still think it's really important and that we'll see lists built around getting to make that decision. But it's, it's more ambiguous now. Okay. All right, that's interesting. Uh, thanks to Crazy Horse in the chat uh, for donating uh, gift subscriptions in there. Uh, just before we move on to the winners and losers, do you have a, like a, a singular takeaway, like a big winner, like not in Seraphon, like a, a single like this is my favorite th thing about three right now? Ooh. Ooh, interesting one. 
I've got a. I've got, I mean, I got a favorite unit. It's going to come up in the winners. Okay. All right. Well, then. I, I love. I love the skink priest. Okay. It's just like. Well, we'll talk about that the, then. It's let's, the man. Let's move it. Let's move into the winners and losers then, straight off the bat. Talk to me. So, like, where where were we at? <laughs> uh, and also, thanks to Crazy Horse for donating the gift subscriptions in the chat. Massive love. All right. Uh, winners and losers. So, I think uh, looking at the points changes, there's a couple winners. I think part of it is out of the FAQ. So the two bits that came out of that that really made a difference are one of the winners is the Realm Shaper engine. Right. That's gone from being something which was a coin toss as to whether you got it or whether you buffed your opponent into you get it every time. And so just being able to have that, stick like a priest or wizard in there and go mortal wounds for you and you and you, like guaranteed on a smaller board, or just like such a buff to the army mm -hmm. uh, probably one of the strongest faction terrains i think we've got in the game right now as a result of the faq so what was the problem with it before and how has it changed so i think the issue with the realm shaper before was like it, it was zero points it's still zero points but so it's it's basically a piece of faction terrain you can garrison in it it's kind of really handy you could use it to maybe block line of sight but in AOS 2, it would happen before picking sides. Right. And so you might just go, you know, there you go, chuck your heroes in there, and now you get all the benefits of Garrison there, like minus to hit, the extra save. And you're going, mm, not really what I wanted. But if you did get it, and it was like, okay, well, I can Garrison in it. I can get those bonuses. And the rules in Seraphon are if you've got a um, Seraphon wizard or priest, then you pick a piece of scenery, and on a four up for every unit that's within three, it does D3 mortal wounds. And if it's within 18, you get plus two to that roll. If it's more than 36, it's minus two to that roll. So now you've got this guaranteed piece of scenery. You're at least doing four up, often two up on everything within three of a piece of scenery. So when you're playing Lumineth, you're now not a popular army to fight against. Yeah, of course. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, great. Like, Lumineth needs something to keep them in line, right? That's really important. Uh, uh, all right. So, uh, do you think Rome Shaper just generally a big win? And now, like, so everyone's gonna because previously people were, like on the fence. Do I even? Keep... Yeah. Do I even buy one? Yeah. Do I even buy one? But you think hundred percent now, definitely in. Yeah, and you know, and you need something to do with it. So then, all the stuff that's happened with priests, I think you know they're incredible. It's eighty points for a priest now. It's like it's nothing for a bunch of mortal wounds, and you can know you because the the um, it's quite a big piece. You can actually you can issue your command points from there. It's got all of its prayers. So the priest already is really strong, right? You got your command ability that you use in the hero phase to give plus one to hit. So actually, it's great for a lot of attack. But actually, something that lasts until your next hero phase means that you could have multiple units in a round that are getting bonuses to hit. It's got an ability, not a prayer, on a three-up, run-shoot charge, plus one save. So your pterodons and fangs that are moving 19 could maybe get another six. So just like incredible 30 points. Um, so yeah, I think you, you definitely take a Realm Shaper and you're putting a Priest in it probably because it costs nothing. Yeah, of course. All right, so Realm Shaper, big winner. That makes sense. I'm, I'm happy about that because like, no one wants useless faction terrain, uh, poor Sinesh. Um, uh, so like, I mean, it does a thing, I guess. Uh, so okay, what's the next big winner? Talk to me. Uh, Chameleon Skinks. So okay. when, the when the points landed, I was having a quick look. So Chameleon Skinks went from 90 points to 115 points. It's like a big change. It's like 28% uplift. It doesn't feel great. 
But in the FAQ, because the old chameleon skink rules, I mean, the old, old ones where you just place them anywhere and it was incredible, but then they kind of went, that's a silly old rule, nine away like everybody else. But if you were in cover, you used to get plus two to save. Mm -hmm. But then all the saves have changed. And so in the FAQ that came out, it was like, okay, they've got a six save, you know, in cover, you'll, you'll go to five. But now they, each model within one of terrain gets a four ward. Yeah. So you've got five models that you can keep in reserve, drop anywhere. They're doing mortal wounds on sixes to hit with range of 16. And they just become these horrible, like immovable, like pains in the butt. Yeah. So I think for 115 points, for something you can keep off the board, then do mortal wounds, and then gets a four up award to like everything. It's just incredible. I think that's going to win games. Yes. Now, we saw them previously taken. So, Seraphon List from 2.0, we saw two packs of five, or sometimes a pack of 15 is what we saw. So, either people were like, I'm just going to drop down and do a little something, something. Uh, a bit like we saw Shadow Stonkers kind of used in that same kind of role. Tree Revenants, if we'd ever seen Sylvaneth ever. Uh, like, that sort of, like, role in an army. Um, but now they are, for some reason, a very, very survivable uh, in addition. Yeah. Uh, which is weird. And I like it for the fluff, though, right? You're like, you can imagine them disappearing appearing and you're like is there something there i don't know and you're like did i hit him it's like so you're just throwing no. hand grenades into a bush hoping yeah yeah okay yeah. that's fair that's <laughs> fair and so would you like because their points did go up though right yeah yeah they, they went up a lot so 90 to 115 25 point increase but I, I, as a result of the faq i think worth every point okay amazing yeah i would say camo skinks are like right up there with like especially his utility piece and especially with like some of the battle tactics so like being able to drop two so savage spearhead two in your opponent's territory so you could do that like with a teleport in starborn you guarantee it or it's like conqueror take a point off because quite often people won't have stuff in the middle so you can just drop them on the edge of an objective and steal it beautiful utility okay all right i'll take that camo skinks big stonks okay next up uh give me what's next uh Oh, let's let's do a loser. So I I think the biggest trap, the Bastilladon with the Ark, the Ark of Sotek. You see that, the Ark of Sotek, and like it's a great tragedy. I hope the War Scroll changes. But you're okay. It was two hundred and twenty points because okay. they used to just be like one entry for Bastilladons, and you'd have two loadouts. So you got the Ark, which you you don't see for sort of obvious reasons, uh, and then you've got the engine, which is like your laser and that's your you know your dinosaur shooting laser awesome really sexy but the arc went from 220 to 185 so you're thinking like okay 35 point decrease or 16 percent reduction it's a monster there's bonuses to monsters but but i think it's a trap it just like it does some mortal wounds in combat it's got it's got the one up save but the difference in aos 3 is that used to mean it was unrendable it doesn't anymore no and so a one-up save is still like a, a great thing to have, and you can buff it, and you can still get great things. But that, alongside Mystic Shield now becoming a buff to save instead of reroll ones, you're not going, okay, it's a two-up that I can try again at. You're going, oh, maybe that's a three-up? And actually, it doesn't shoot, and I need to roll sixes, otherwise it's not really going to do much. I think, but still done with the arc, it's still not in a place where I want it. Yeah, I don't think, I don't think it does enough like uh truthfully 
Um, like, I, and it's a weird. It's also a weird war scroll as well. I think one of the interesting things about what you've just you've started off with, uh, and I like the breakdown is like unit roles and what it does in the army. And what it does is it doesn't achieve anything. Is like zero one. Like it, it, it's there, which is nice. Like, and it's you could do stuff with it. But like, it like the chameleon skinks definitely. As soon as you put them in a list, they fulfill a role. You're like, I'm going to achieve X here. Yeah, I'm going to guarantee X many points just because they're in my list. Like, it's just... Yeah. That's beautiful. I think for competitive play, you're looking for certainty. And I think if you're fishing for sixes, you've kind of, like, you've just taken certainty and gone, whatever. Mm -hmm. Yeah, okay. All right, it's fair. I think that's fair. Like, it's a loser. Also, it just gives, like, although harder to kill, like, you'd, like, like hard to kill, not hard to kill. In fact, it's actually easier to kill than it was previously. Yeah. Uh, still going to give you... It's a monster as well, right? So it's still going to give up a VP. Yeah, I mean, maybe you can, like, you know, you could do, like, Monstrous Takeover. It might win you one, but actually you're looking for your monsters to be able to delete things. Yeah. Like, that's where you're going to score the extra. So you're going, I'm taking it, I might not get the extra, and I'm going to concede a VP. So even at, like, the biggest reduction we see in the change, it's, uh, it's a big loser. Yeah, okay. Uh, all right. Uh, take me where do you want to go winner or loser next like a dice roll <laughs> i'm excited I, I i think let's let's kind of go something that that i'm undecided on okay and and that's kind of just thunder lizard so i think thunder lizard because this is all about monsters now and like you go all right aos3 it's all about big fighting monsters scoring extra points and Seraphon can do that, and it used to do that with Thunder Lizard. And you kind of you take your Thunderquake, and Thunderquake was really cool, right? So you have Savage or Swift, so you got choice. Do I want to be able to run, shoot, charge, or do I want extra melee attacks? Yeah. And you could have some like terrifying synergies with a Stegadon Chief uh, or the Skink Chief on Stegadon, and you know you start stacking your asterism for bonus to attack and then your battalion for bonus to attack and kind of all, all these other things which just make it monstrous and uh and sort of so we've lost thunderquake which is 150 points so you don't pay for that anymore and i guess looking at thunder Lizard as a whole it's it's in a really good place i think it's really interesting especially from the points change so the biggest increase is your stegadon skink chief 22% uplift, right? So 250 to 305. But now you've got a monster and a hero, bonus scoring, all that. I think there's a little bit of a danger because you go, okay, great, it's a monster hero, I can heal it. But do you know what the bravery is? Like, No, because in Coalesce, their bravery is lower, right? Yeah, so Starborn, it's just 10 across the board. It's like, it's great. You need to not roll an 11 or 12. Mm -hmm. But I'm pretty sure Skink... Skink Chief on Stegadon's a five. Shut up. Shut yeah, Engine of the Gods is a six. It's like, it feels really good until you go and check your War Scroll, and then you're like, oh, maybe it's not that good. Yeah, it's a weird, it's a weird one that they based it on like bravery because actually, once you start having that conversation, like you know, you jump over um, to. Uh, you know, you jump over to things like the demons and obviously they just succeed so much more because of this situation. And then everyone else is like, uh, everyone else has a tough time. Uh, like, you know, squigs are like, please, can I heal? And they're like, no, you aren't brave. It's like, I'm riding a mental pair of squigs. Like, I mean, they are bravery 10, actually. That's a bad example. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, anyway. But yeah, so, yeah, go on. so yeah, so I think like the, the Stegadon Chief, it's kind of like, it's still awesome. It's a big uplift. But if we compare it to what you used to run with, you'd also run it with two Bastilladons. Cause the, and then you'd have like your attacks for a Razor Dawn or a Salamander or whatever to get the battalion bonus. 
but I don't think you need it anymore. So even the like the Bastildons only went up 15 points. It's seven percent uplift. So if we imagine that like every book has gone up 10 percent, they're probably cheaper than they were, and you're not paying the battalion tax. So if you wanted a bit of mobility, you might take like the Alpha Beast battalion for the pregame move. Or maybe if you want to like get that bonus to hit, you'll take Line Breaker. Um, so, so I actually think what's happened with Thunder Lizard is it's in a place where it's comparable or, or even a little bit cheaper than it used to be. So it suddenly becomes really interesting. So you get a little bit hit because it doesn't have the healing. And then the limitations in three and issuing and receiving command abilities per phase mean that you can't just have a bunch of Bastilladon shooting twice. But you can still make one of them do it, and you can still buff them. So it's kind of, I'm I'm not one on it, but I'm not lost on it. I just think it's an interesting space it's in now. Okay, all right. Well, so I, and one of the reasons, like, is being pointed out in the chat. Thank you very much. Is that the uh, reduction of how you can do commandability? So you can only shoot twice, like in Thunder Lizard. Um, well, you used to be able to shoot twice, so you have two Basilodons normally is how they were run, and then you can make both of them shoot twice. You can't do that anymore, right? Because you can't issue the same command ability yep. twice. Um, that seems like a, that seems like the biggest nerf to the way it worked, would you say? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, if, if you're running two, you're shooting three times instead of four times. Yeah. And you're going, well, okay, well, it's, it's, a, pretty, it's a pretty material buff, uh, nerf. Yeah. And then, like, I, I guess maybe it would make you, maybe it was just like the most efficient version of that was to effectively take two. Like, that was the most efficient version. Maybe there's a version where you only take one and then you try to do other stuff inside it. Yeah. But, like, that was the commandability you got for being in that sub faction. So you feel like you were really pigeonholed into achieving that, achieving that anyway, right? Yeah, I mean, there was there's other fun stuff you could do in Thunder Lizard, right? Like, you could roll your engine twice, and it's just like, cool, I'm playing with a slot machine. This could be amazing, or I might just, like, be at the bar pretty soon. Yeah, okay. So, Tavi's <laughs> in the chat, and Tavi says, I rate Thunder Lizard a lot in this edition, and Bastillon is a great to score tactics with, as it's a monster that can kill its targets at range. Uh, Priest of Bastillon, you get 18 shots, threes and threes. But, like, you said, yeah. you said you were unsure on it anyway, right? Uh, I mean, look, it, it's going to score points. I, I think... I'm unsure because, like, I'm a great big sucker for fangs, and and this would mean that I have to like stop playing Starborn. So, <laughs> <laughs> I, I come with a bias. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. I think that's fair. I think everyone does as well. I can I can completely see Tavi's point in the chat. I do think I do think that um, uh, the other things that you lack by going into coalesced um, maybe don't really aren't really made up for it. Um, so I can completely understand that. Uh, and like Crazy Horse in the chat, in combat, the Bastilodon does nothing as well, so it can't really, like, remove yeah, itself. Yeah, if, if you get locked up, like, it's going to take a little bit to kill it, but it kind of, it neuters some of the potential. It doesn't have great ways to get out of it, right? There's there's no teleport. You can't retreat and shoot, stuff like that. But it's an awesome shooting unit. You can buff it up. It can achieve a lot. And it's a monster that kills stuff. So battle tactics are nice. Yeah. Of course, of course. But like, yeah, you're you're sacrificing the whole army to do battle tactics on one monster, maybe. I mean, there's Carnos and other stuff, but anyway. Sorry, what's next after you? Um, I just sort of going through, and there's some interesting stuff. I thought I might just like touch on Cordal's Claw, but the, I guess the, the great big thing that I missed is Bound on the Spells. Okay. And so I know everyone is like really lamenting the loss of Bound on the Spells for Seraphon. Yes. The ability to just go, yeah, yeah, like, oh, that's my purple sun and you can't do anything about it. Those are my geminids, you can't do anything about it. And so I just like, that was a great call, just take it out. Um, they, they now have a thing called bonded. Okay. So 
I think, an interesting mechanic, which I, I think helps a lot of other armies. You know, you, it makes you want to take some of the endless spells. You get to control it. You know, one wizard controls it as long as it's within 30 range. I guess it's kind of a way of nodding to the like the magical power of Seraphon. They get bonded. And so that means you kind of don't have to worry about that 30. Just if it's on the board, you still get to control it, even if it's moved out. But I, I think it's a bit of a nothing, right? Because the boards are pretty small. So... If it's outside of that, it's going to be pretty niche scenarios. Okay, fair enough. Fair enough, yeah. I, so a, a, ni- a nice change. A nice change. Okay, all right. What's next? What's next? Uh, everybody's favorite unit, the Salamander. Okay. So I think Salamanders kind of dodge the bullet. In fact, they didn't dodge a bullet. They come out as kind of like really well off in this. So whether it's an omission or deliberate, they've lost their... Uh, their role. So they used to come down as artillery, right? And so you could run him in up to three, so you could still get a lot of them. But now there's no role. So if you're like, I fancy Dracothian's tail with 12 salamanders that I'll just kind of drop down, you can do that. And that that's like oppressive, especially since the points only went up 10. Okay, so they started too cheap, and then they went up to 110. But going 110 to 120 between two and three still feels like a bargain. Huge. And and I also really like with Rally, it's kind of changed the minigame. So you don't feel it as much in Starborn because of the bravery, but it like it's a real pain point in Coalesced because they're bravery five. And so you've got your one salamander and you've got your three handlers. So if you kill one handler or like two handlers, you're like, oh, I'm going to lose this just powerhouse. Yeah. So if you're running a couple of them, it becomes really interesting in how you take them away because you want them to get maximum output. But I think there's like there's a new way to play it, which is when you're taking them away, sometimes you're going to want to take away the salamander first and then handlers because that way you can rally it back. So you go instead of taking all the handlers and having two salamanders, you know, I'll take one salamander and three or four handlers and then when i rally it i'll get more attempts to bring that one salamander back so it's just it's kind of an interesting mechanic of of that own mini game of what order do you take them away yeah of course do you do you do you still rate salamander i mean i do a lot but do you rate salamanders in three like a lot yes yeah, uh, yeah. I, I mean, I'm I'm running them at the minute, so I'm like I'm trying to play around with fangs, do my skink blob, couple salamanders, some chameleons, some pterodons, which we can talk to in a sec. But I think they bring a huge amount. So, just the way in which you can stack save uh, means that like rend has taken on this new nuance, and rend one is just like it's nothing. So you need something which is at least rend two, which they bring. They got 12 inch range. You can teleport them. You can put out a lot. But the the king of the show, really, for me, is mortals. And you roll a six, you're doing D3 mortals, and you're getting a lot of dice to roll. Um, and they've got good stats, right? So it's like four shots, threes, threes, minus two, D3. So I still think they're really powerful. And just the ability to bypass saves with mortals, dirt. Yeah. Well, I mean, I mean, it's so useful, right? Like, because you're right, like the, the save stacking and then the Ren conversation is really in parallel with just how many mortal wounds can you produce, um, which I mean, Seraphon just haven't struggled with ultimately, um, thanks to like a bunch of abilities. So I think you're right. And I think uh, like is being talked about in the chat, two packs of two salamanders is still terrifying. Uh, and if anything, yeah. like that's before melee, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, just from range before they even get into a fight. And I completely understand what three can do. 
Like when the three used to drop down, they used to delete a thing. But I think now you're almost a bit like the Hearthguard Berserker talk where there was a big brick of 30 and then they were like, you can only have 20 now. And then people were like, actually, do you know what? Two 20s is probably more utility. Like, it's <laughs> yeah. probably a little bit more effective, actually, for me. Like, I was just putting too many points in. So actually, and they lost the artillery keyword, right? Um, yeah, so you can have a bunch. Yeah, so you, and you can just, so you can just have loads of them. In fact, actually, at an event here recently, I wrote someone a list um, who was playing at an event, and I just wrote them. I think I put eight salamanders, ten salamanders in their list, and I was like, I asked him at the end of the day, I was like, "How's your day?" He's like, Bad man. "I've had the best day." You just point them at things, <laughs> and they just die. And I was like, "Yes." Uh, so I, I still think that they're criminally undercosted. If I'm 100% yeah. honest, um, so I could see them being a huge winners, and they didn't go up in points. So yeah, fantastic. And it's and it's a nice way to get people to kind of like fit use up their all-out defense because you know it's got to rend, and you're like, can I can I make you use that so you don't have it somewhere else for somewhere that maybe doesn't have that rend? Yeah. So I think that's a nice one. Um, and you know, there's some like there's some great utility that just exists, especially on the starborn side with the way teleporting works. So you know, you could move try and bait out that redeploy so i had a game against uh lumineth the other night and i moved some salamanders up and it got them to just within nine and they're only 12 inch range and he's like i'm gonna redeploy and move out i was like okay are you sure and he's like yeah i was like okay i'll now teleport them nine away on the other side <laughs> which is kind of <laughs> which didn't land that well but i enjoyed it and i don't think they'll do it again <laughs> <laughs> okay salamanders okay that's it's, it's nice yep. to know that they're still one of the ugliest models but one of the the best war scrolls in the game sure i've, I've been trying to make them a little bit prettier I, I did a couple of uh conversions i'm working on i got some of the uh the war cry guys because there's like that cool chameleon one on the branch and there's the other guy with his cheeks like fully blown out and i just took the uh one of the flamers from the engine of the gods and so you've got this like guy with this huge flamethrower and it just it's a bit of fun as opposed to like the horrible little derpy ones i mean you got the really old ones with the fins but the older ones with the but fins, they have nice stats cool. yeah that's true <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right so what else what do you think winner loser where are we at next uh so winner uh I think I'll go on to one that I, I think is a winner, but it's kind of, it falls in the similar category to the chameleons and that's the pterodon riders. I think it's probably because they were undercosted, right? So pterodons for three were 90 points and like there are six up save, there are three wounds each, but they have incredible mobility, right? They're like a 16 inch move, which is amazing. And in fangs in the first turn, you get plus three. And maybe you like use your priest ability. If you can roll a three up, they can then like run, shoot, charge. So you're like 19 plus D6. It just lets you pick an objective. And then the the, like, the gem with them is their once per game ability to deadly cargo. And basically you roll a four up for each one. And then if you do it, you get to do your D3 mortal wounds. And that's on any move. So you can do that on a move. You could do it on a charge. You could do it on a pile-in. Um, so I just think incredible utility. And, you know, it's, it's nine wounds. You can lock something up. Um, and it, I found it really useful for just getting those key kills on heroes, right? You maybe do a little bit of chip damage with Comet's Call off of your Slan or Croak. And then, like, if it's not quite finished, you can use your Pterodons, do your once per game, and not only kill that hero, but lock something else up for a turn. So 90 points up to 115. So like another 28% uplift. Sort of same world as Chameleons. But I think what they bring, even though it's like it's a points nerf, they're winners. 
there are also great small trading units, right? So, like, what I mean by that is, is, like, you sometimes tend to see uh, big bricks of something, and then, like, because that's all you have, you have to put something expensive to just go hold an objective, whereas you could just throw three very fast onto an objective, and you'd be like, right, you take them off, and I'm going to counterpunch. I've talked about trading units all the time, but they seem like a very useful trading unit, ultimately, uh, that have other roles in your army as well. Yeah, I, I mean, I think whenever... Not often, not, uh, not whenever. Often when I play them, I kind of, I use them as one of those ones where, because I've built where I'm not sure if I'm going first or second, I'll put them towards the front and it's like, if you're going to take it, you're going to delete that. But if you don't, it's going to cause you pain. And it's one of those ones where it's kind of like, it forces your opponent to have that kind of that puzzle, that problem to solve. And I, I think for that, they bring great utility. Yeah, yeah, really, really good utility. Um, and, and do you think that there's something to be said for having a pack of six? Because they can't ever be battle line, right? Can they? No. No, no, they can't be battle line. So I think what's nice about them is they're one of the only units that has a champion that's not battle line. So we've not really talked about the command abilities, but every battle line, okay, except for the behemoths, uh, have an alpha. So they can give command abilities to themselves. The, the ones that uh, aren't battle line and have an alpha are the pterodons and the ripperdactyls. So the pterodons have an alpha. So I, th so I think it's interesting because if you were to run six and you lost a couple, maybe they could rally themselves. So that's kind of cool. I think where they really suffer is the new coherency rules. Okay. You know, it's a big base. Once you go to six, they've got to be within one or two. And then... I just think that means you're not really getting them into combat. You might not be able to guarantee those four ups. So I think the idea is great. I think it's one of those ones where you do it on paper and you're like, yeah, I got the sussed. And then you're on the board and you're like, oh, it's not really worked out how I hoped. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. No, I agree. I agree. I think some of those like elite infantry threes and and Terrans kind of fit in that kind of in a way. In a way, um, have yeah. been affected across the whole game. It's kind of like they released a bunch of them and then they were like, by the way, no. And you're like, oh, what? <laughs> this is weird. We're a, what? <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right. Is there something to then to be said about the other version of that, the Rippers, or do you think that the Terrans just have so much more utility? I want to like the Rippers, like. Uh, they've got a special place in my heart. I think there's some hidden away behind me in the shelf that doesn't get play um, because you used to spam them, right? Like you used to summon them from the engine. You used to shadow strike them. And it was like, they're going to go in. You've got your fun little blot toads that you dropped before. You reroll everything. And it became this like great way to dice game. And it was probably one of the only real ways you could play competitive Seraphon back in the day. But I just think they, they never really got the changes that they needed to, to outperform the other options in the book in two and i think that that's still the case in three so i like them and like huge respect to anyone that runs them it's like a, it's a great unit to take to a friendly event because it's fun it's got utility but you're not going to break the game with them i don't think like maybe someone will do something really cool maybe there's like a synergy with a star priest to do mortals but i i just think you've got so many great options here yeah they're not going to say and uh, and i don't uh, thank you to um uh yes james thanks for the points and thank you to gurgle my nurgle matthew for donating 77 pounds and 77p to the show that's insane. What a legend. That's insane. Uh, thank you. For James. That's for James. So round of applause to James. <laughs> uh, unbelievable. That's so very, very kind of you. Thank you so much. Mind-blowing. Um, so thank you to Gurgle, my Nurgle Matthew, for doing such a, a sweet thing uh, as we're talking about this. Um, I'm really hot now. 
Uh, I mean, that was hot before. I'm looking at my kid in. He's roasted. Uh, <laughs> okay. I don't know if the audience can see that billowing sail behind you. It looks great. It's, yeah, it's very warm. That's all I'm going to tell everyone. Uh, what is... Uh, <laughs> what is... Uh, what's the next winner Let's or loser? Let's keep going, yeah. right? We've, we've got a, a lot of units in Seraphon, but let's keep going. So uh, maybe if we talk about the ones that I really want, but just like still can't do, like the Troglodon. I really, really want to use the Troglodon. Okay. Like you get you get tormented playing Seraphon because you read the Slan War Scroll. You read the Croak War Scroll. And one of them is, um, I can't remember the name of it, but basically you can cast through a skink wizard that's within 12 so that's like that's amazing for croak you've got like a star priest in front you do this little death bubble from there a great way to like project magical power but the bit that you read afterwards is or a skink oracle anywhere on the board and you're like where is the skink oracle and you get you know like oh i can only find the one and it's the troglodon and it looks really cool. Like, it's a really nice model. It's the alternate build to the Carnosaur. It's this, like, lean, spitting dinosaur. And some of the ideas are really neat. Like, you know, it's, it spits at stuff, and then it goes and scratches them. But the War Scroll isn't great. And, and I think this was, like, maybe, I don't know, I don't, don't want to sort of criticize someone as an oversight in points. I think they went, if it's a monster and if it's a hero, put it up X percentage. And, and it kind of got hit pretty hard. So I think it was a high-pointed one that got dropped. So I think it finished at like 220. And then they've upped at 50 points to 270. So it, it's gone up to like uh, 23%. So like a big change. I, I'd consider a buff, right? If we say that blank, it's 10, it's, it's sorry, it's a, it's a nerf. Um, and I want it to be great, right? It, it gets the monster actions, mm -hmm. but it's bravery six, so it's not going to heal. Um, you can cast through it, so like, you know, maybe, but it's not really going to do any damage. You're not going to delete stuff with it, and so I just, it's kind of, it's the one that got away. I, I just, if they pointed it differently, it could be one that changes the game. I think if, you know, if they if they decide to do like an edit and the Troglodon drops materially, I think we're going to see it a lot. Um, maybe in Coalesced, right? Because then you get stronger monsters, you get that durability, you stick like Croak at the back, throw your Troglodon forwards, and just use it to pump out magical power. But where it is now, it's, it's too expensive. Okay, okay. Um, I think it was. I've seen it in lists previously. Um, I, I've saw it as a range extender, and obviously the loss of the Bellwind Vortex. I'm sure you're going to bring that up at some point. Um, but loss of Bellwind Vortex, you feel like you can kind of sideline into the Troglodon for this power projection, but also it's going to give up a VP in the wrong situation, and you're not going to want that because obviously it's a monster. Uh, so you've got to ask yep. yourself: Is it going to be bringing in those extra VPs, or does it work as part of a larger piece? And I think the larger piece yeah. it kind of worked as a part of maybe isn't there anymore. Not the VPs. Yeah. Well, I, I think you know, like you can make it work, but it's at the cost of something else. And that's where the points are like, you know, any war scroll by itself isn't good or bad. It's how it's pointed. And I think this is one of those ones where it's the points that doesn't make it really competitive. Um, but I like the war scroll. I like the model. It's just, I'm not running it yet. Fair. I think that's fair. Okay. All right. What, what, All right. what works next? What's what you're on to? Next? You mentioned the Bailwind. So let's talk about the Bailwind. Please do. So I, I <laughs> 
another one that everyone's really going to miss. So it just it simply doesn't exist anymore, right? Mm -hmm. And I guess what we used to see in two was your croak NATO. So you'd get like you'd get croak, you'd take a Bailwind, you'd have your Saurus Guard, you'd have your Astrolith, um, and it, you know, and it would just sit on top of a Bailwind. So you get like your your bonus to save, you get your lookout, sir, and, and it would give you that extra six inch range. And so you had, you know, Croak has got Celestial Deliverance, just really nasty spell, and usually gets it off because of all the bonuses to cast. And you'd kind of pop him up, and then he'd get plus six from the Astrolith, plus six from the Bailwind, and then suddenly, instead of everything 10 away, it's everything that's 22 away, and you're just picking three units, and you go, Mortals for you, Mortals for you, Mortals for you, and like, and round the merry-go-round we go, and we'll just do it a bunch of times, and it's quite oppressive. So I, th I think it's I think it's nice that it's gone. I think what that also means, because it's coincided with new Croak, is that we've got something that's way more engaging to play. Yeah. So I think, you know, old Croak was 320 points. And, and I would have never said it at the time, but probably criminally undercosted. Um, you know, you had this, like, seven wounds with a four-up save, a three-up, could pass off stuff to the guard, bonuses from the Astrolith, could look out, sir, could garrison with just huge global magical power. And that's disappeared, and that's come, and now we got New Croak. So New Croak is 110 points more. So it's 430 points, and it is a gorgeous model. He looks proportionate to his power now, as opposed to this, like, sad little mummy. It's a beautiful conversions, but the, the core unit was just, like, tragic. And fine cast as well. So if you got that one with, like, bubbles on his palanquin it was it was sad um but new croak is amazing i just think it looks fantastic and from kind of a, a play standpoint he's a lot more fun i think he's more fun for the player but he's also more fun for the opponent so they kind of they scrapped the four up ward which i think is great mm -hmm. he can't garrison because he's got more wounds but he's seen a couple of changes so war scroll is plus two to cast and I think that that's one of the things that makes his magical power so strong because it's two on the war scroll, but then through the asterisms, he can gain plus one as well. And then, okay, not unbinding and dispelling, but on casting, the asterisk can give him plus one. So when you're like, you're rolling a cast of a seven and you're getting plus four, you're basically not rolling a miscast. The other, the other nice change is he now has access to all of the slant spells. So he brings a degree of utility, which I think is kind of cool. Um, did you think that but, he didn't but, have that utility beforehand? Like, did you feel did, was that was no, there it's a different? It's different. Well, yeah, was there a situation you, where you were like, "I really wish I had the other"? Well, you you could change the spell. I think you had to do more planning, right? So he, he was we still had the slan keyword. So you'd basically pick one of the spells. Usually, your horde killer, stellar tempest, because you just take it, and it was like it's twenty four inch range. And by the way, you can add twelve. So you just pick a horde and smash it. Um, but and. But then if it didn't work, you're like, oh, I really need that heal. At the end of the hero phase, you'd be like, okay, I'll swap it and take Celestial Apotheosis. Whereas I think now, because Croak's sometimes starting out of range, you're like, well, actually, what kind of things do I want to do? And it's like, maybe I'll do I'll do my Comet's Call because I'm always going to cast it. But I have my Mystic Shield over here. Or maybe you really want to do that Hand of Glory, that like reroll ones on your Skinks. So I'm going to try and buff the Star Priest and do Celestial Equilibrium. So I just think having access to everything all the time, it's nice. But but the bit that's made him fun is like his wounds mechanic. Okay. So ba back in the old days, it was a bravery test for the people that remember it. And then it moved into like criminally oppressive. Um, but now it's fun, right? So whatever number of wounds he takes in a phase, you kind of tally them up. 
and then you roll three dice. And if it's a 20 plus, he's slain. If, if miraculously you can do 18 wounds to him in a turn, he's automatically slain. But you've got this kind of like fun gamble. And I think that's enjoyable because it creates tension. And I remember I was playing another Seraphon player, Meg. I think you played Meg as well. And she's just like super lovely. I was playing her Thunder Lizard and, and she took that gamble. And like I, I'd separated Croak from the guard and she just dropped a couple chameleons, got five wounds off. I'm like, all right. So Croak can die taking two wounds. So with like no pat, no way to pass it off, you can get a miscast and you can take him off the board. I, I want it to happen on stream one day because it's just going to be like show gold. But really, he needs to take eight or nine to get that 50-50 chance. And, you know, there we go. She's like, OK, done five wounds. And I'm like, all right, let's try and create a little bit of drama. And I was thinking I was creating drama for her. So I'm like, I'm going to roll them one at a time, except that I went six. <laughs> five <laughs> oh no <laughs> and then i just start sweating i'm like oh no it's like six again all right let's take him off but but it works the other way too and um i you know i was playing lumineth the other day and i kind of i did this hail mary chucked him into like just a bunch of stuff and i rolled really low and it's kind of like okay all the wounds for that phase are gone let's try again next time um, and I think that's kind of fun. It's like it creates tension. It creates a bit of risk. I'm not sure. I think he brings a lot of tools. So I think we'll still see it in competitive play. But that chance element and the points cost difference might mean we start to see more slan over croak. But I don't know. We'll wait and see. Okay. All right. Interesting. I like. I think the cost benefit analysis is is one that everyone's going to have to make. At the end of the day, comets call has to be the winner right come on <laughs> like but you get it on everything right you can take a troglodon you can take a slime you can take croak i mean you're gonna have something that's got it because the utility is just unbelievable unbelievable they're like you're like every seraphon player is like hey nice characters you got there be a bit of a shame if turn two happened uh, like... oh you've hidden them <laughs> i can't see them all right that's cool oh, cool. are you near terrain because guess what four up uh-oh like are you hiding them because yeah so and what i'm referencing is that there's a global range spell called comics call and in, in addition with the realm shaper as james obviously eloquently described earlier you're able to do like a, a bunch of mortal wounds before like they've even moved like and then they're in that threat range and one of the interesting things about it is it's multiple because of course one of the really lovely things that you can do is obviously use the heroic action to heal unless you're like one of the low bravery units that exists in the game uh but when you do it to multiple units um reign of stars is another good example the uh the nurgle spell rotigus's uh war scroll spell uh so like being able to do multiple chip damage all across the board actually uh it kind of increased in value in my opinion it's increased in value because now you can kind of be like, I'm going to chip everything. And that while they can heroically heal the one thing, they can't heroically heal everything. And it's going to start to fall down quite quickly, in my opinion. Uh, so, yeah. yeah. And I think where we see low bravery MSU, you know, like I, I think you know, I, I keep thinking about it because I just played the other day, but I was playing Lumineth and Lumineth don't have amazing bravery. And if you're on Croak, so the nice thing about Comet's Call, right, you cast it into seven. But if you get it on 10 plus, instead of D3 targets, it's D6 targets. 
So actually, you're getting you're getting a lot of choices. And if you can chip away a couple of low bravery units, you can only auto battle shock one. So not only are you creating that like that pain, that pressure, those questions on your heroes, but actually you can end up doing like exponentially more damage by going, okay, I rolled a four, I'll hit those four low bravery units. You roll a couple four or five like four five sixes, and it's just going to do like double that or or even more. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. What's the uh... What's the next winner loser? Where are you at? Where are we at? So uh, maybe let's look at Kotal's Claw. I feel like I've kind of uh, neglected the the Saurus counterparts, and I think they look all right. Um, I think they got hurt on a couple of fronts, and so uh, you know, hats off to anybody that decides to still run them. There isn't a lot that provides rent in uh, in kind of the Saurus space. Um, but if we look at points, you know, I think like knights, knights get a lot of attacks. They went 10% up. So if you're running five, they went from 100 to 110. Okay. I think there's some really interesting stuff with like knights. Saurus warriors kind of stings a little bit. They went up 17%. They went uh, 90 to 105. But then you've got cohesion, right? They're on 32s. Unit size is 10. So you're running like 10, 20, 30 tops. There's none of those 40 blocks. The loss of the battalion means you're not seeing the rend on the bite. So you can get like a high attack volume, but you're not really going to get to hit everything. So you got to make that that trade-off. Do you go for your one-inch clubs and one rend, or do I take more attacks on the spears? And it's kind of that, – that's a tough one. So not amazing. I think a, a, couple peop, a couple of units that came out all right, I think the Scar Vet on Carnosaur, that's really nice. That's like – that's a five-point increase, so 2%. Like – 210 to 215. I think Scarvet Carnosaur is really nice. Got a really nice command ability as well. That's your sixes to hit explode. Yep. Um, so I think that's kind of cool. Do you feel like do you the feel one... like units like that that got sixes to hit explode, which is great? Um, then obviously, is that in the hero phase or does that happen in the combat phase simultaneously? Uh, Scarvet on Carnosaur. I wrote it down because I don't really run them that often. So that's combat phase. So it's wholly with an 18, sixes to hit. But I think it's one of those ones where you're looking for your synergies, right? I, I like to think of Seraphon as like the thinking man's army. You're like, how do I make this work with this, work with this to get an even better outcome? Yeah, of course. Um, which can also be a little bit punishing because when you forget something, you're like, oh, no, that one key thing I didn't do. But, uh, but you know, you could do, like, your Scarvet on Carnosaur, which I think is in a nice place for points. Hero Monster benefits from it. Bravery 8. Um, you know, you're running it in Coalesce. It's got good durability. Um, there's some nice artifacts, you know. So I think you could take the Kotal's Claw. Uh, is it the Blade of Realities? Or um, or you could take the new one from the, um, from the book, which I think is Rend and one extra damage. Um, so I think it's like that's in a nice space. What you could also do is you could take a Sunblood, and I love the Sunblood. Like, one day, I'm going to run a meme list, and I'm going to stick the dagger on the Sunblood. Okay. Because it, it's, it's gone down in points, right? It was 130. It's now 125. It's got, I don't know, a gazillion attacks that explode, and then a gazillion attacks that do mortal wounds, like, give or take. But it's got a cool ability in the... It's a command ability you use in the combat phase, but you use it on an opponent's unit, and you get plus one to wound. And I think in a world where we've got lots of bonuses to hit, and maybe you can do some like... Um, so in Kotal's Claw, I guess the bit I didn't mention is if a Saurus unit charges, 
they get plus one to hit. So you're not needing to spend that command ability there in the hero phase for all that attack. Yes. So what that means is maybe you give the Scarvet Carnosaur in the combat phase the exploding sixes. So you got, okay, I got my plus one to hit, sixes are going to explode. And then if you've got your Sunblood in the right space, you can also go plus one to wound, or maybe you've been like saving up that triumph. And then suddenly you're going, okay, well, I'm actually getting quite a lot more through in my damage. So maybe you're, you know, you've gone for a block of your Saurus Gar, or, I don't know, like Saurus Warriors, or you've got your Saurus Knights, and you can start synergizing those buffs. And then you chuck in a Star Priest. Maybe you've managed to get Curse off on a Priest as well, and you start to find ways to make it work. But I think in Codals, you just got to try that much harder. But if you want to play the like the you know hard proper dinosaurs, and that's where you're going, it has tools. Okay. Fair enough. Fair enough. I mean, it, I mean, it's one of the fine cast models, uh, and I like, and I think, I think ultimately, like the headline of the whole show is that Seraphon's still in a great place. Um, but yeah. like, you know, like, are there other options? One of the widest books in Age of Sigma, and what I mean by that is, is there are so many good units you can run away. You could try to run away from the over top good units and still end up in an okay place uh thanks to rule of cool gaming for uh, resubscribing big love to you thanks everyone for tuning in live by the way um uh super lovely of you all right what's next uh like uh, hit me all right, maybe should we chat a couple of lists? Okay, is that what we're up to? Winners and losers over. We can do. I don't mind. Well, like I just want to ask can... a couple of questions. You, like Skink Priest, you touched on a bit, but oh yeah, all right. Skink Priest is the MVP. Like with the Realm Shaper, like I, I'd need a really good reason for someone not to take a Skink Priest. So. Like, it's just an incredible unit. So you can, what do you got? You got your Holy Within 12, Command Ability, so plus one to hit for something with a skink keyword, which is like everything except your Saurus. And I think that gives you a lot of options. It means you can probably get multiple pluses to hit in shooting or combat or both. Um, it's only 80 points. You've got a really cool ability that I expected to get turned into a prayer, but hasn't happened yet. And that's, you know, again, skink keyword. But if you can roll a three up, which you usually do, that skink unit can run, shoot, charge, and get plus one save. So if you think about your standard fangs list, your skink blob, so they've got a nice move. They're already eight. In the first turn, they're getting plus three. And you've got so many CPs, because I guess that's the other thing that uh, Croak and the Slans are doing, is you're getting more command points to play with. You guarantee it, and suddenly you're like, shoot, that unit has moved 17. And it can shoot 16-2 because I took an 80-point character. Yeah. Like, gross. Gross. Um, and then you've got access to the prayers. So I think the prayers are really interesting. I, I like Smite. I like this idea of this like little holy war across the map, 48-inch range on a two-up. Like, that's cool. That's fun. Um, you know, we've got priests. Yeah, so but the Skink Priest and Skink Stars here, like... They have, like, all of the joy that the other priests don't have, right? Like, Doors of Cain priests are like, what the hell? You know, like... Um, Korn... They didn't need... They didn't have prayers. Korn... They just had the word. Yeah, they just had the... the... So, And they had a minion ability, which is a... Th... Is the minion ability a three-up? Is that the one that's... A... Is that a... That's... The, the run-shoot charge. Is that... Like... is that... That's not a prayer. That's a minion ability. It's an ability. Yeah, an ability. So, like... So, you could do it on two different units. So, you could have, like, two priests, and you're like, those pterodons that are 19, oh, yeah, they run two. Those skinks, yeah, they're in your face as well. So, like, you just got to roll it three up. And it's, so, but it's not a prayer, which obviously means, like... It's not a prayer. Like, is Seraphon, are Seraphon better? Because you've also got access to Curse. 
Yeah, so I really like Curse, and I, I think that Curse is like that special place where you know you've lost your Star Priest because everybody knows that you have to kill it. Yeah, of course. And you've got charged, and you know maybe you run away, maybe you didn't, but suddenly you're within nine in the hero phase, and tragically I haven't been able to be, roll my four ups. But if you can roll that four up, the mortal wounds on sixes to hit in addition, terrifying. So I'm running, I'm running two with Curse, but actually it's got space in Thunder Lizard, right? You can give him heal. Or, or even if like if you haven't had to heal yet, maybe uh, what you could do you could do bless. You could go for that like six up shrug. Just the ability to get like the the generic like the prayers that everyone's got, yep. and then one of the other ones, amazing. And you stick it in a realm shaper. So like take two, have one like go and march up, have a guy sit in the back and go mortals for you. Okay, amazing. Yeah, like it's phenomenal. Yeah, yeah, really good. I was just gonna say I think that's got to be one of the big takeaways. Really, is that the Seraphon scary block is. Like you say, 25% less output, but ultimately big output stonks in that uh, in that curse of yeah. availability for the army. I think it's nice. I think the skinks, we've got a new question. Because I think when you move, like you, you kind of, as we shifted from two to three, the first thing you do is like, how do I play the stuff I used to play? Yeah. And skinks are interesting because I used to always run them. They've got different loadouts, right? So you can have a javelin, which has got like slightly better range stats, but it's less than a nine inch range. So you're not going to get your teleport and shoot. They've got the blot spitter, which is like what everybody runs because it's 16-inch range. You're going to be able to roll lots of dice to hit. And then you got a choice. So you could run a shield or you could drop the shield and take a club. And you used to always take the shield because their war scroll save is a six. Yeah. And the shield made it a five. And you used to be able to stack save in two in quite an unpleasant way because your priest ability would take that five to a four. Yeah. And then you might use like the Slan or Croak's command ability, and it'd be plus one against shooting. And you're like, why is this like 60 points per 10 unit? Got a three up save. It's got 10 bravery or I've cast a spell so it just doesn't take battle shock. And it's doing a gazillion mortals. So, but because the, the save stacking has disappeared, it's posed a question that I didn't expect, which is the loadout. And it's like, do I keep the shield? Because if you take the sh if you take the shield, the melee weapon's a dagger, and you're fives and fives, and kind of that's the same as your blot spitter, and that's what I've gotten used to. But if you swap the shield for a club, it's fours and fours. So suddenly in melee, you're getting a fifty percent damage uplift. Now it's not truly fifty because you've probably already buffed them to hit, but there's still a thirty-three percent buff on your hit, and then either a fifty or thirty-three percent buff on wound. So I think actually what you might start seeing is some skink glass cannons. So instead of like really leaning into that parting shot, which they've kept, which I think is really strong because you got two ways to shoot in the opponent's turn now. However, and I know this came up in a, in a game you played recently um, because I'd like to talk about this because they FAQ'd it, right? And you played in a tournament not long after. Um, uh, so like you can't parting shot a unit like and then also unleash hell the same unit but you can after you. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I think this is one of the things that makes Fang so strong, and that's their command ability, right? So parting shot is a command ability. And when a unit finishes a charge, if they're within three of that unit of skinks, the skinks get to shoot. And because you've buffed them up, they get to keep all those buffs. And I think what makes it horrific in three is that this is the charge phase. So your opponent can't all-out defense because you can only do that in the shooting or the combat phase and there's other things like you know you think those lumineth cows well actually again that minus to hit that shooting or combat phase so they've retained that ability to shoot unmodified fully buffed 
at the end of a charge within three. On a four up, they have to retreat so they can they move eight inches, which is incredible. You can move on to an objective, you can go and protect something, you can deny combat. Um, but I guess the bit that makes it really nasty is if you, which is what I did against, I think it was poor Tom, is you can shoot with all your skinks. And then if you haven't quite finished it, what you've probably done is you've teleported two salamanders behind that unit of skinks. And because you got your priest and your star priest, you're like, well, I got another hero. I've got an excess of command points. Why don't we also unleash hell? And I think shooting twice at something that's key that's charged you is really nasty. Yeah, I mean, because because <laughs> that's kind of a key takeaway here is like um, like for everyone at home and just for people generally is like people are I guess already fairly annoyed or miffed at only shell in the right situations and Seraphon are like lol how about I do it two times <laughs> yeah <laughs> you're like what are you shooting yeah. me with and it's not like it's not like twenty pink horrors where I got to roll a lot of dice and I hope you roll ones it's like two salamanders where like you're like. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. And and pick the order that you do it, right? So you could go like, okay, maybe I want to save Unleash Hell. So if they throw trash at you, you know, maybe you're like, well, actually, I'm going to save my skink blob. And the nice thing about Parting Shot is if you're already in combat and something charged, they can still do that. So that kind of differentiates it. So it's only three, whereas Parting Shot is, I think you can find ways to counter it. I had a really nice game that was against Velatron, and he was smart, right? So I had my skink blob, and uh, I think I... Maybe I'd already used parting shot, or I can't remember. He did it, or maybe it was a salamanders. And he just chucked some aether wings in. And because there was suddenly an enemy within three, I had to choose. I was like, do I use parting shot and just like kill the aether wings, or do I not do it at all? So I think there's ways that you counter it. And I, I think that's a really nice detail which will differentiate top players in three. And that's the order that you do things. So making a move to try and like beta redeploy or charging in something that you don't mind losing to prevent or use up that Unleash Hell, that's, that's interesting. That is very interesting. Ah, oh, love this. Love talking to you, James. Thanks very much. So I know for a fact that you could go on for hours. Okay, so what lists, what lists, have you, in a great way, by the way, I'd like, I'd like to be clear. I'd like to be clear. So what lists have you been looking at? What do you like the look of? So I was just like playing around to see what's possible. And uh, I guess the, the starting point, I was like, what absolute dirt can I write? I was like, what am I going to try and like win something with? Um and I've been running something that feels really competitive. So I've been taking like my, my Croak, a Guard, Astrolith. I think that like that does a lot really, you know, just like great ability to shut down magic. It's got good utility. You get some summoning out of it. I'm running one Skink Blob, two Salamanders, one Salamander, two lots of Chameleons because like they are MVP and a unit of pterodons. So I've kind of really leaned into just like lots of mortal wounds um, just because I, I think that the ability to negate um, like regular armor saves through like all out defense and other tools, mortal wounds are really shining. And so it's got a lot of those and it's got a lot that are, just can basically be anywhere. So you can delete the things that you need to be, which really helps you score those battle tactics. So that's kind of where I've been. But I thought, can I, can I max minute? A little bit further and so i thought well what happens if we take out the astrolith and we take out croak and then suddenly you start seeing some really interesting things so i thought like let's take the star master i think you still want to keep comet's call um you know it's got plus one cast you could use the asterism plus two you're still getting that, that chip damage mm -hmm. 
Um, and it's getting you those summoning points, the celestial conjuration, right? You can sacrifice one spell. It doesn't hurt you too much. And you can still take something like your horde killer, your heal, or whatever it is that you need. But it's saving you a bunch of points. Um, if you're dropping the astrolith as well, because you're not looking that same projection, you lose a bit, but you gain a lot of points. So I thought Slan, Star Priest, two, oh yeah, and two priests in the other list. One to sit in the Realm Shaper and one to follow the Skink Blob, mm. because we always want those mortals. So yeah, so heroes, I think take the Slan, take a Star Priest, uh, Hand of Glory, because there's not much that allows rerolls, but that's a spell that let you, lets you reroll once to hit. Two Priests, I think cur curse on both, right? Because like, one set at the back, but if it all goes wrong, you can replace the other one if it gets killed. Yep. Um, probably use some of the new um, the new battalions to get that extra enhancement. Yep. So because your Star Priest is a really key unit, there's a nice uh, artifact in the book, Incandescent Retrices. And what this means is when that hero dies, um, if you can roll a four up, any of the unallocated wounds get negated and it comes back with full health. Like, that's amazing. And the way in which you can access, like, easily access additional artifacts now means, you know, you can stick that on a Stegadon Chief, you can stick that on an engine, you could have, like, some really sad moments if you can roll that four up. Yeah. But Yeah, some really but great, I, I kind of, well, sad moments for them, great well, moments for you. <laughs> yeah, it, it depends. Yeah. It depends if you can roll it. <laughs> <laughs> that's true. So, yeah, so I think, let's go, let's go Slan, Star Priest, Two Priests, Block of Skinks, um... We're going to take 10. It's kind of tax, uh, but I think that just like 10 skinks still offers a lot of utility. You get good movement. They can cap a point. Use them as a screen if you need to. You've got your five guard because without the guard, Croak and your Slan just aren't going to survive. I think that access to basically 10 more wounds to a key unit is amazing. And, and I guess if anyone's listening and doesn't know, if they're within three of a Slan or Croak, on a two-up, they take the wound instead. And running five, that's 10 wounds. If you wanted to kind of like synergize it further, maybe give them bless or put the astrolith so then they can also get that six up and you end up with some pretty durable things. And then uh, I think three pterodons, we've talked about it. They bring great utility. I think five, three times five chameleons. They they're just so sticky and running them in fives means it's another choice, right? Like even if they're next to each other, your unit's going to like your enemy's going to have to pick how they split their attacks. They're getting their save. And then you're getting four ups, incredible value for points. They appear anywhere. They do those chip mortals. I take a bunch of them. And then let's just like lean in further on the mortals Two lots of two salamanders, you know, that's like eight dice, can you roll some sixes? If you can't, maybe you can roll threes. Do threes again. Two rands. D3 damage. It's a ton. You get to play your mini game, And then, because we haven't really talked about them too much, an Emerald Life Swarm. Okay. I think you've got choice with the Life Swarm, right? So it's popping off twice. And I know you've talked about it before. But, like, that's D3 twice. That's really nice. Um and you go, well, do I want more salamanders or do I need to follow my skinks or do I need it to heal my key heroes? But I think for 60 points in an army that's got a lot of magical power or like usually gets their casts off, it's a really strong choice. Yeah. I, so that's my kind of max men fangs if, you, if I don't run croak. Okay. 
Love that. Love that. I think I can, like, and uh, Katif in the chat has said, I'd love to see that you're also thinking of dropping the Soros, Soros, Soros <laughs> the Astroth Banner Bearer, the Soros Astroth Banner Bearer. Don't know why that was a problem, because uh, he's playing with that idea as well. And I would agree. I do think that there is, like, uh, the dropping Croak and dropping the Soros. I, to be honest, I completely agree with the the comics called by the way i'm a huge seraphon stan i just the audience might not know like i'm chipping in way more than i do in some of the other shows it's because <laughs> like i've been playing these guys for such a long time i've got a huge collection uh like i'm massive into it but like i agree the comics call like it's integral to keep that in right because and then yeah, double yeah, that yeah. up with you the, have to double that up with the camos like i think that's the one nice thing and the realm shaper yeah and, and the pterodons like you just it you know you're trying to create certainty yeah, and all of these tools together, it's like you know, and, and that's why the priest three up, you can afford to miss it because you still have a teleport, and that's what's nice about this army. You can create these safety nets that that don't guarantee it because it's still a dice game, but give you much better odds. Yeah, hundred percent. So did you, I was alright in thinking I heard that there's also so I, I think lists like that, or we're still going to see salamanders and skinks. And I mean, you didn't even throw a uh, Gotrek in there, but that's the thing. I don't think you need to. I uh, think you don't need to, right? Oh, you can do so many no, but, good but you, things already with the seraphon book you're just adding win to win yeah you raise a really good point though about gotrek because because that's allies and and there was a there was a big change actually so i i don't like there's a there's a place for allies in seraphon and and in two we saw some really interesting things i think a couple of people won events by dropping in a prime um but the things that you could access in two were stormcast eternals and sylvaneth and i i don't think i saw anyone do Sylvanus to great success, but I like the idea. You know, they've got some beautiful models. I like the Kurnoth Hunters. But what was interesting in three was they dropped Sylvanus, and I, I guess it was part of the, the story, and they added in Cities of Sigmar. And that's probably like a, a whole show in itself. Mm. But that Seraphon now have access to like any of the tools there. You know, put in a battle mage, give it wild form. You got like plus two run and charge on something. There was some crazy potential in there. So like the book has a ton. But maybe one of the hot stonks for three for Seraphon is access to cities. Okay, that's fair. That's fair. That's an interesting one. I, I mean, I don't know what they could bring that the book doesn't already have, but maybe there's something. In there's it. a lot of tools, but you know, like I'm, Darren Watson or someone is gonna find something and you're gonna be like, sorry, the wording of that rule is what? And you're like, <laughs> okay, let's lean into it. <laughs> let's do that. Okay. Uh, I heard there was gonna be a fun list somewhere along the way oh yeah i just like i thought i kind of i'll, I'll go gamey like I, I like i like a challenging game i like to be competitive i like it when someone's like oh if we can do this one thing but actually there's also a space of just like rolling dice with your mates and so i thought i'd just try a couple of different things and so there's definitely competitive thunder lizard but i thought what might be just like a bit more fun and, and maybe it's maybe it's not that fun but i just chucked in 2000 points um and i was like slan starting point let's keep comets call yeah um you like the space to drop it but i i like a slan you know it's got a hero it's got a bit of magic it means you get to like play more of the game yeah uh three priests because they're amazing 80 points you got like one you know one chilling in the realm shaper pointing at stuff and then that means that two can follow the big dinosaurs that you pick okay and so i think three stegodons like three you know it's, it's not it's not too heavy, but Stegodons are great. I just love their profile. They're like, they're the drinking man's dinosaur because 
it's it's like threes, threes, minus one, and whatever damage it is that I'm supposed to remember, right? So it's like, I'm going to shoot. And it's not too difficult because you're like, oh, how many shots do I get? Like, what do I, oh yeah, it's like three. I get three shots, threes, threes, minus one. What's damage? Oh yeah, three as well, right? Like, cool, I'll just do that three times. Ooh. So it just it felt like the right number. And they're like, they're really nice in melee. I think that just like the regular Stegadon, which you can have as battle line in Thunder Lizard, like they're cool, you know, you get... Uh, you get a couple of impact hits. So through the like the monstrous things at the end of the charge, you're basically getting like two sets of hits because you get the one at the end of the charge and then you get the one like when they finish their charge and then the one at the end of the charge phase. So that's cool. They've got that like armored crest. So in a space where I think a lot of the meta will be MSU units, if there's five or fewer models, the Stegadon in combat can be like, all right, plus one to save against you, which means you got options in how you allocate um, all-out defense, or you can maybe even negate that kind of minus two if you need to. So I just think, like, three Stegadons, that's good fun. You get to push the big dinosaurs forwards, and the dice are easy to remember. But but that still leaves a lot of points. So you got, like, your little skinks marching up with your three Stegadons, and then two Bastilodons. Two Bastilodons with the solar engine, because the other one doesn't exist. Like, it's just from here on can we just not talk about it um and that's great that's shooting right and i think one of the guys in the chat you mentioned already talked about the utility so you basically get to shoot three times you know your salon's potentially giving you about like a few more command points the nature of aos3 means you get more command points so that's like uh 9 18 27 shots if before they start taking damage so you think you've got five big dinosaurs some priests but then I think the safety net so that you get um, a more competitive play is the other unit that I've just like gone on about forever. Two times five chameleons. Yeah. Yeah. Because that's, that's what it doesn't have, right? There, you don't have that mobility. You don't have great capping power. So you go like slan a few priests, five big dinosaurs. And it's fun at deployment, right? I think it's one of those ones where it's like, oh, how many drops are you? Okay, I'm this many drops. And it's like, okay, over to you, sir. And you go, okay, uh, I'll just put these over here next to my drink. And it's like, okay, over to you again, sir. And you're like, oh, I'm going to do it again. Isn't this fun, right? And it's kind of, it just means you get to see more of how they're deploying. Um, I don't know. So yeah, so I, th I think that's fun. Like it's five big dinosaurs, but it's got enough utility that it's not just... Um, just rolling dice and moving forwards you can do a couple of tactical plays but it's it's not overly taxing okay super fun uh love that love that because like i because honestly i think seraphon have still got tons of play in this edition tons and tons and tons they got that dps oh yeah they yeah. got that dps check for the four gargants uh which is definitely a thing like and i think i agree with you like rally or even life swarm on salamanders is like grim fandango or both yeah just, yeah all, all why not both why not take jam and all of your dreams and smash them together and have the best time uh amazing yeah. james it's been a pleasure talking to you about uh the seraphon thank you so much uh the list that uh, james has talked about i'll put up on the honest war game website he's going to send them to me um and they'll be uh, on there and they'll be included in the show notes for you guys as well as will a link to james's socials if you want to talk to him more about seraphon which i'm sure he would always be keen to do uh forever <laughs> uh as long as he can uh so thanks again uh have you got any shout outs before we head out today uh i think i'll just shout out to so like some lovely people so i think uh james powell and to meg 
uh, and yourself as well. So I think some some lovely friends that I get to roll dice with really often. We spend a lot of time. You know, James is a regular on the show, and Meg's absolutely lovely. So they're brilliant, and also to you because I think what you do for the community, just like bring everyone together, getting everyone to like watch this, it just elevates everything. And you're a lovely person. So thank you. That's thanks for. I'll give you the money Nurgle Matthew gave us. Okay. <laughs> uh, <laughs> okay. Uh, uh, yeah, well, lovely having you on. You're a wonderful person. If you don't know James Hobbs, uh, you should get to know him. I'm sure he'll be at events sometime in the future. Uh, and you'll, 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 you'll just find that you've had the loveliest time uh, talking with him. Uh, thanks, everyone, for joining us live, by the way, or what, listening to the podcast or watching us on YouTube. Obviously, subscribe, uh, hit that like button, do all that other stuff, leave some comments as well. Um, and then. If you're watching live right now, I'm, we're going to be live with the 40K Spy Center in like literally 10 minutes. Uh, so do join us again in 10 minutes. We'll be back. Uh, once again, James, thanks very much for being on the show. Thanks, everyone, for listening to On This Wargamer. And we'll see you guys soon. <laughs>